0: And Ironic Media Production. Visit us at I R-O-M-I-C-K All
1: right. So today I have Dr. Lisa coach with me, and she is triple-boarded in internal medicine, bariatrics, and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She's the author of Get Lit and Becoming a Biohacker, Biohacking Your Mitochondria and Optimization. She is brilliant, and I can't wait for her to share her dark night with you and what she feels we all should do to get lit. So, without further ado, here is Dr. Lisa Saf Coach. Welcome to the Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stark this podcast, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll get to witness healings as well as hear from my mentors, teachers, and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for the last 14 years. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. I'm here with Dr. Lisa Saf, coach, and I just can't wait to talk to you. I really am super excited. You are so brilliant. And I love that I got to meet you about a year ago. We hit it off, even exchanged some healings. And she's an actual real doctor, which is really cool that you both, (laughs) you embody the, uh, the spiritual side and the scientific side so well. So that's why we have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for
0: joining us. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. We definitely hit it off. I had the benefit of experiencing some of your incredible gifts. Anybody who is listening to this and anybody who has been exposed to you is very, very blessed.
1: Oh, Uh, thank you. I feel the same about you. In fact, I wish I could make it to your, uh, Is it, what do you call it? Is it um, like integrative medicine practice? My clinic? Yeah, Yeah, your clinic. So
0: so my clinic here in Tampa, we have over 8,000 patients. We have a beautiful team of healers, which is what's kind of the secret sauce behind the clinic. So we've got the medical side, and then we have a naturopath who does muscle testing, and we have an upper cervical chiropractor who's also trained in in pretty incredible energy work herself. And the three of us, along with a couple of other, um, another doctor and another nurse practitioner, are doing some very collaborative work with our patients. Yeah, we are probably one of the only clinics that combines traditional medicine because we don't throw the baby out with bathwater and <laughs> all the really cool integrative things that are out there. So
1: right, yeah, and that's what I love about it. Like you can get IVs there, you can get adjusted there, you can get medicine there. It's everything. So I love that you've combined everything together.
0: So, Lisa,
1: tell me about your dark
0: night. Okay, so my dark night is probably my journey, really, they kind of wrap in, I, I could pick a couple of them, they both involve my personal physical health. So at the age of 15, despite feeling totally fine, went in for a camp physical, and got a call from the doc that my hemoglobin was seven, which then led to a diagnosis of childhood leukemia. Wow. Uh, that that was definitely a page turner and a path changer for me. I was already very interested in science, but then I got – the universe wanted me fully immersed with no other <laughs> path at that young age. So I went through high school and college with a wig. I had to get chemo. Um, there was a period of time during those ages between 15 and 20 where I was getting either a bone marrow biopsy, which now is done under sedation. And I was a teenager getting it done wide awake, Uh, later sort of channeled and had an awakening where I realized that a lot of some of my issues were because my mom wasn't even allowed in the room. So some really interesting traumatic experience that would happen there because it was, was every three weeks, either bone marrow biopsy or I was getting a spinal tap and they would take out spinal fluid and put in drugs that went right up into my brain. So I was, yeah, as bad as it sounds, I was blessed because I went into remission quickly. Um, Throughout high school, I was not, I've never had to go to the hospital. I always had a really good attitude. Um, I would use it to kind of like skip school. like (laughs) take my friends. I had a pass to go get my blood drawn. We'd go out to lunch, you know, (laughs) I would try to make something good out of it. Yeah. Take your (laughs) wins. I did. And at that time I knew I would always throw up after the chemo. So I would go and eat a candy bar. Like I was like, I might <laughs> <full? laughs> as well have a candy bar. So that was, um, that was a pretty rough time. And when I finally got all my hair back and was off in college and, and starting to really enjoy my life, I went for my first ever pap smear. They found a mass on my ovary oh, wow. and, When I woke up, they thought it was going to be a cyst, and they told me I had to have surgery, and that was my first ever GYN exam, so that was fairly traumatic, even without them finding something. And when I woke up, the GYN said it was hidden leukemic cells, and then I had to go right back into chemotherapy again, and my parents kind of panicked. Understandably, they found the world leader in relapsed hidden site ALL, which is the type of cancer that I had. He was in New York City. I was really lucky. Again, I always find the silver lining. Um, my uncle had a studio apartment up there. So we were. I moved up. My dad would mostly be the one that was living with me. And I had to go through intense chemo again in my junior year of college. Somehow managed to graduate on time. I took a class at night uh, in New York City that first semester. But what happened was halfway through um, getting the chemotherapy, I went into acute heart failure from one of the chemotherapeutic agents. Oh. Um, so that kind of threw another little wrench in the plans, but I recovered pretty quickly. And and my uncle sent was a podiatrist. And that was the first time that we really blended integrative and traditional medicine because he researched heart failure from chemo and he started sending me supplements. And this was a time when they weren't that popular. So they would come in the mail. It was coenzyme Q10 and L-carnitine. So a lot of your listeners have probably heard of those. Hmm. And they'd come, I'd take them. I didn't know what they were, but they were on auto ship. And every time the bottle came, every time I ran out, the next bottle came in. And um, my heart went, a normal squeeze is considered 60%. It was down to 20. And within that first year, and again, I was young, a young, healthy heart, thank God. But it came back up to 50 to 55, which is considered low normal. And I was able to get off chemo, get through everything, graduate on time, get into one of the best medical schools in the country. And yeah, it was just kind of crazy. And my EF was stable enough that I could even run a 15K. So I was able to gain back athleticism. I felt generally like I, I had healed myself.
1: Wow, so is that what
0: got you into medicine? Is like the fact that you had that experience? Yeah, I was always a science girl. My dad's a mathematician. I, I but that experience of living it, um, what I thought I wanted to do back then was pediatric oncology because that was what I was exposed to, and I almost it was like I wanted to give back. And mm-hmm. my one of my very first interviews for medical school, the interviewer said you don't want to do that. Do you really want to do that? And I sat there and I was like, you're right. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to prevent this. Like I don't want anybody to have to do what I had to do. That was another kind of really cool pivotal moment where I went in and said, I'm more interested in prevention of disease. And I've always asked why but it really kind of solidified so that when i went through my training every time we were taught something especially in clinicals when we got into the hospital like we would see a patient and we'd have this protocol of how we would treat them and everybody would be fine with it but not everybody there were some other in- inquisitive people but i was probably on the more annoying side for some <laughs> of the teachers because i just kept saying but why yeah like, why does this woman have this problem and that one doesn't like why did I feel fine? And I had leukemia and like, there was nothing different from me than my friends. Like, why did I get sick? Mm-hmm. And and the answers I would get over and over was, this is just how we do it. And that was not ever sufficient, sufficient <laughs> for me. And, mm. and that curiosity and inability to just accept has served me throughout my life because I would just keep looking. So I would say that was kind of, we say one main dark night, if you want to call it that. I kind of call it the universe introducing me to my career <laughs> and, <laughs> and like letting me figure it out so that I could help to heal people moving forward.
1: It's interesting. I see healers uh, having this commonality of uh, around 15, 16, having a traumatic event happen in their lives out of nowhere seemingly that then catapult them onto their path which is interesting. Yeah, so, that
0: age that's such an interesting thing. It's an age,
1: interesting age, yeah.
0: Yes. I had throughout my health, personal health history I've had things happen and then I'd say the next the another big event and we can go into a couple of details of how I brought in energy healing and mitochondrial stuff based on my own journey but As recently as three years ago was the other huge dark night where I thought I was relatively okay. My heart had not really acted up other than with my two pregnancies.
1: Okay. First of all, you guys, she's 50. She just turned 50. So
0: (laughs) I want you to all know, like she's been healthy for a long
1: time and she was, you know, doing amazing things um, all the way up until you were saying three years ago, you were not feeling as great.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, just to bring up the 50 really quick, I had one ovary because remember the leukemia had hidden out of my ovary Okay, um, right. and I had had five years of chemo. So I was told pretty clearly that we weren't really sure about my fertility. And with my daughter got pregnant on the first try, my heart held up till the very end. It gave out a little bit. We didn't really think there was a huge issue. I took some meds, and it kind of rebounded back to the low normal of about 50. But I went from being able to run a 15k to after the pregnancy, maybe being able to run a 5k. And it's one of those, who cares, you know, you can still work out, you have a baby and a crazy practice, and I just kind of let it go. And we wanted more kids, I knew I wasn't in any shape to do it right then after about three or four years, wanted to try it wasn't happening had a miscarriage finally felt stable enough to do it knew i wouldn't do fertility because my body had been through too much and i had one great amazing daughter and the universe had other plans for me and <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and after i was i was at miraval which is you know this incredible resort in arizona and a psychic told me um it's my first experience with a psychic at my 40th birthday and she actually said do you have two kids and i said you know i have one we want another one and she went like this and said, Oh, a boy soul has already picked you out, and you're going to have another one. And sure enough, within about six months, I was pregnant on my own. So, this was no fertility, five years of chemo. Wow. And 41, I had my son. So, that was pretty amazing. I did crash, he was a general cardiac anesthesia delivery. The energy healing that went on after his birth, I would love to share with you because that was amazing. i love to hear. Yeah, but I was relatively okay. I went from being able to do a 5K after that pregnancy, I could only walk run. So I was probably down to about 45 on the pump when it should be 60. I was in a bit of denial. Uh, My daughter was playing competitive soccer. I had a newborn. I had this crazy practice. My husband at the time was working seven days a week. And I just kind of was existing and thought I was okay, Uh, was researching mitochondrial function, did so many things that I think I was okay, only because of all of the stuff I was doing for my body. Mm. And then three years ago, the amount of stress had just gotten higher and it pushed me into early menopause, which considering the one over and all the chemo is not surprising. So it was like, I was 47 and I couldn't walk. I, my heart just literally gave out. And oh, it was such a scary time because I was in the hospital for eight days. The transplant doctor was in the room because my EF at that time was down to 15. Holy! And, man. um, it was pretty scary. And my cardiologist who's an angel who I has been my friend for 20 years, he fought with this transplant cardiologist, that a de- specific type of device would get me out of the hospital. And it's, a, it's an implanted pacemaker slash biventricular that allows the heart to squeeze a little bit more synchronicity, synchronous squeezing. And sure enough, it got me to 30 to 35, and I was able to get out of the hospital. But that was another massive turning point, especially energetically. And I'm proud to say today, my ejection fraction is 50. I can kill it on the Peloton. I, um, my heart is better than it was 20 years ago. My cardiologist wow. does not understand how it's possible.
1: But you do because you have all the inside information, <laughs> which I'm I can't not wait a whole to lot hear it.
0: I don't know if I have it all, but I've, I, I've got a lot.
1: Yeah, you do. Okay. So there's so many things I want to ask you. I, um, Okay. So you mentioned that getting leukemia, you know, spurred your journey into medicine, but yeah, I mean, your, your journey is just so incredible that I'm, I'm like,
0: how did you keep getting up and, <laughs> and fighting? I, um, I describe it to patients where I say, literally the universe, it's almost like they have fun. Like let's kind of half kill her knock her down enough so that she's got to find a way out. And every time the way I found the way out was a combination of traditional medicine and integrative therapies every single time. And then as soon as I would get better, and I'd be coasting along for a bit, the next modality or the next treatment protocols or the next just awareness would be introduced to me through a symptom in my own body. So it's like this this vessel of mine has guided me to each stage of, of healing that I was supposed to provide for humanity, literally.
1: Right. So did you ever have an NDE? So a near-death experience?
0: No. Okay, good. Not okay. that I knew of. Yeah. Not, okay. that I, not that I knew of because, I mean, through the leukemia, I, was, I actually felt totally fine. I was never even in the hospital. The second time when I went through it in New York, I was in the hospital once. When I went into acute heart failure, um, That was a really scary, but it wasn't, I wasn't out of my body per se. I think a lot of my spiritual journey has been more recent. And I think with this three years ago, a real quick, cool, cool energy story was the night before they were going to put the device in. We decided that I needed this device. I was petrified to have something put in my body that was never going to be out of my body (laughs) And one of my healers who runs an incredible crystal place here in town said, can you please ask the cardiologist if this device is titanium? And he said it was, and then she sent me what the purpose of titanium is for, from a spiritual standpoint. And one of the main sentences, I have it on my phone to this day. I'll look at it periodically was it said the energy of a giant and the ability to shift human consciousness on a global scale. And right. I I read it and I said, and it was protection uh, as well. And I just said, you know what, bring it on. Yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> give it to me and I'm ready. Right. And I, stopped, I stopped crying literally at that minute <laughs> and I knew it was going to be okay. And I got this thing put in and, and here we are.
1: I love when we get those confirmations that things are going to be okay. So tell me, how did you start this? You know, you said you had an amazing energy experience after giving birth to your, your was it your son?
0: Yes. Yeah. So my son, when I was pregnant with him, people would stop me and healers and say, Wow, you've got a chi baby in there. So I, I kind of knew he was special the whole time. But when I had him, it was very traumatic. It was an emergency. My again, my ejection fraction at that point was down to 20. I was supposed to be induced a week later or two weeks later, the cardiologist came and knocked on the door while I was in the middle of seeing a patient. I had done my echo that morning and he said, you know, you're done. Mm. So I had to go to the hospital. I remember, um, calling my mom on the way crying. I don't even have pajamas, you know, (laughs) I'm not ready for this. And she walked off a plane. This is a mom thing for you. Um, she came from Nashville I called her at two. She walked in the hospital room at seven holding pajamas from Dillard's. Oh, wow. That's (laughs) That's awesome. That was a moment again. Um, So they had to put me out. So what you think of the last thing you would ever want for a newborn, which was literally general cardiac anesthesia to get this baby out. And they were just going fast as they could to cut him and get him out of me. And um, when I woke up, it was surreal because it just felt like I had had a gallbladder or some kind of surgery. There's no baby. I was out of it, you know, painful from the scar or the incision. He was in the NICU for a day or two. And my naturopath who does the muscle testing here, who is an absolute wizard, he's an incredible healer. He came in to visit. He literally was when, when we were talking, I said, I have one main concern, which is this boy was ripped out. I don't want him to have abandonment issues because here he is all snuggly mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's in a unit and I'm nowhere to be found and I'm out of it, right? Energetically even out of it. So <clears throat> he literally looked at me and said, well, grab him and let's ask him. So I've got this newborn in my arms. We're muscle testing, asking him if he's feeling abandoned. And he said, yes. Aww. And then he took his little foot and he literally reset his foot doing acupressure. And we just held space for a few minutes. And then we asked him again and he was fine. Aww. So that was like a pretty, like a really cool just moment that we had. And, and this little guy is, is amazing. He's nine now.
1: Your story is very similar to uh, my story with my son and right. having, yeah, he, he was taken from me for three days afterwards, but we had iPads. So, or my wife and I had iPads. So I looked yeah. at him on the iPad. So I was able to connect to him energetically. And actually every time I looked at him on the iPad, my milk would come down. Uh-huh. which was amazing that we had that strong of a connection. Thank you for sharing that. That's really a beautiful story about how you were able to reset that for him. Because yeah. you're right, you know, he probably was going through some serious trauma, not seeing his mama and um, being away from your heartbeat and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. So you're first, I, okay, you love to study mitochondria and can you tell the, the listeners like
0: about mitochondria, why it's so important? Yeah. So I got interested in mitochondrial medicine because when you get chemotherapy and heart failure, that literally is direct damage to the mitochondria. So what they are, they're the little engines inside all of our cells that take the electrons from the food that we eat and oxygen from the air that we breathe. And then you go through a very complex set of steps inside this organelle it's called. And you spit out something called ATP. And ATP is the main energy molecule that literally fuels everything that we do in our body. So what's really interesting, and here's another couple of cool universal interventions. Uh, When I started studying the mitochondria was why I got turned on to the ketogenic diet, because I was looking for my patients for a diet that was interesting, that wasn't the same old grilled chicken and, and vegetables as I was trying to kind of work towards optimal function, and I stumbled upon an interview that was talking about how to improve your mitochondria with food. I think Dr. Mercola and somebody called Dom D'Agostino, who's a lead researcher in keto, and he said what's really incredible about the ketogenic diet is that not only can you get your mitochondria to be healthier and produce more ATP, which will give you more energy, more focus, just vibrance, but the ketogenic diet also induces something called mitochondrial biogenesis, which means literally you can make new mitochondria. So you can make new engines. I had no idea that was possible. So as I'm listening to this thing, I was like, wait, what? So this is probably six or seven years ago. And then the guy who was interviewing said, well, at my lab at the University of South Florida, blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's literally 15 minutes from me. So I was like, wait, stop, rewind, stop. <laughs> what did he just say? So in my typical way, I just literally picked up the phone. Oh my God, I just saw your interview and I emailed him and we started collaborating. And that was how I started playing with the ketogenic diet, which I am still to this day and, and actually very excited because I'm coming out with my first course, which is going to be an eight week keto-ish program based on all this experience that I had. But what I found was that as you could make new mitochondria, these symptoms that all of us are chasing, every one of us, which is brain fog and fatigue and achy and metabolism issues and feeling not as vibrant as we used to, can potentially be taken back to the number, the quality, and and the performance of your mitochondria.
1: Absolutely. So just a reminder for our listeners, the ketogenic diet, would you say in your opinion, is it 20 and below in carbs per day? Or would you say that I think so, you're a little bit? Hybrid, yeah, but listen, right?
0: it is not for everybody. And as a lot of your listeners have probably already figured out, staying below about 30 grams, which is what most people need to do to flip into an active blood ketone level of 0.5 to 3, which is kind of what you're, what you're working towards to be in nutritional ketosis it doesn't work for everybody. That is what you would define the best way to get into a true ketogenic lifestyle and nutritional ketosis. But my program Ketoish, I'm doing on purpose because so many people can have amazing benefits by going down to 50 grams or even just right. 75.
1: Right. So we have, have so much bread as <laughs> yeah. a society. It's so crazy. Once you yeah. go keto, you realize, wow, it's just was in such excess. And Absolutely. Uh, so I yeah. usually tell
0: people just get like a free app on MyFitnessPal, Give yourself a chance, load in what you eat for a couple of days and just see what your carb content, mm-hmm. daily carb content is because a lot of times people think they're low carb and they get pretty surprised when they track it.
1: Right. I was really surprised too. What do you think the average person is getting in terms of carbs?
0: Usually between 100 and 150 grams a day. I, I mean, would suspect it'd eat- be yeah. more. Huh? Well, I'd say if they think they're eating healthy, if, if you know, like if it's somebody with a standard American diet, 200, 300. Okay. That's what I
1: was thinking. Okay. So you, you've connected the spiritual part to keto and I totally agree. There is a spiritual component. So can you share your opinion?
0: Absolutely. So back when I started doing this, I, well, let's say when I first really got into spirituality and energy healing was probably 10 or 12 years ago. And we can talk about that after I mentioned the keto, answer your keto question. When I had people coming through my program, so again, this was before it was on every shelf in the grocery store. It was, everybody was very nervous about eating fat. It was brand new. Mm -hmm. So I had people coming in for a 12 week program. We were monitoring their blood levels and we were really having close contact with them. And the thing I was the most blown away by was not the weight loss or even the clarity in thinking that comes along with this diet. It was the fact that people were coming and telling me these crazy things. Like one guy who said, I'm so sorry, I have to stop because I realized I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, wow. whoa, no, let's get you help. Like, let's go over here. Then the next person came in and said, I can't stand my job and I'm quitting. And then the next person came in and said, I'm finally going to leave my husband. I've been Mm -hmm. wanting to, and now I'm going to do it. I had to take this step back, where I was like, "What is what is going on? <laughs> We're not offering enough here at the the clinic. Oh, we, we need a yeah, We gotta <laughs> we gotta figure this out." And I realized it was just honestly, I think when a lot of the noise is removed, mm. which we could even tie into the current state of affairs and and this pandemic right now, when a lot of the noise is removed people end up going within and they can feel and connect to themselves. And the ketogenic lifestyle really pulls away a lot of that inflammation. It provides the clarity. It allows you to be less hungry. And I think that is what's triggering The ability of people to kind of go within and have some of these realizations.
1: That's so cool that you were mentioning that because I really believe when you clean up your lifestyle, you clean up your mindset. You start to really see the truth or what's in front of you, really, rather than hiding from it. And then you're like, "I got to change this," and you have the energy to do it (laughs) from the ketogenic diet. That's huge.
0: Yeah, if you don't have the energy, if you if you're barely getting through the day, how are you going to deal with some of these emotions? Let alone. The fact that energy traumas, thought patterns, all of this stuff that gets stuck in our energy field, a lot of people don't realize it has to actually be processed by your physical body. So if your colon and your liver and your kidneys are totally overloaded because of alcohol or processed foods or inflammatory grains, your spiritual journey is going to get stuck. You're not going to be able to go where you want to go.
1: Right, and you know what? One thing that I noticed when I first started doing keto was that switching from being sugar burning to fat burning, there was an element of relaxation that came in because my body wasn't scared that I was going to run out of food source. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that roller coaster that you're on, there it all of a sudden becomes yeah. just flat and steady. So you're you gain your energy back, and then you there's so much more that you can do
0: without having to worry about that component. No, you are so right. So I'll tell you two cool things about that. One is that was by far the best gift for me personally, because you know, if I didn't get my lunch by 11 (laughs) or 12, I'm getting foggy and I still have all these patients that I got to see. And since I've been on this journey now, five, six, seven years, I will have my bulletproof coffee or all intermittently fast. And it could be three, o'clock. I don't care, like I'm so free, I don't care when the next food is coming. So that is an incredible freedom, freeing benefit, like irregardless of weight loss, that it has huge potential and bonuses for people in terms of their day to day living. Totally. Uh, the other piece that's actually scientific is we did a controlled clinical trial here with exogenous ketones, so that's the powdered supplement oh, cool. that you can drink. Yeah, and we brought in a PhD that was measuring brain waves. So we tracked brain waves, and we tracked some blood work, we tracked body fat, and we did. I think it was fifty people, and by far the thing that that was the most impressive was an anxiety questionnaire that we asked people. We were not screening for, you know, anxious people. We just had whoever wanted to be part of the trial, but almost everybody reported what you felt, that state of an inner calm and improvement with the ketones.
1: That is awesome. (laughs) I love you. I love how you look. You're always looking for answers. It's so cool. So I've heard that the trauma is stored in the mitochondria and so that it can be um, almost like a CD. It's like, you know, written on there. And when you start doing energy work, it gets released. Have you seen anything like that?
0: I would say that um, there's two main areas in the body where I feel the most connected to consciousness, which would, I guess by definition, also be the most connected to holding trauma, right? And that is the mitochondria and the fascia. So we can talk about the fascia too in a second. Um but, yes, what I found with the mitochondria and and if you remember or you may not know your listeners may not realize the mitochondria were their own bacteria, so millions of years ago, these little engines were actually running around on their own and or maybe not running around
1: whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> they evolved
0: from somewhere <laughs> whatever a single celled organism that was the mitochondria was doing, whatever this bacteria was doing so what happened was our precursors decided to get creative and engulf this bacteria and and hijack it almost as an energy source for our cells. Mm. So if we think about it for this thing to be running around or squiggling around or whatever it was doing, it had to have the ability to react to its environment. So what I find incredibly interesting is we're now understanding that that's where light works. So, things like sunlight and things like red light therapies, but also we all know thoughts affect us. We all know words affect us. One of my main goals on this planet is to continue to connect the science to what we know are these spiritual results. Mm. And another pivotal point that was really cool for me was about two or three years ago, my daughter had an exam and she asked me to quiz her. And I was like, Please don't be history. Please don't be history. And and she was like, no, it's biology. And it's about the mitochondria. I was like, oh yeah, let's go. Because you learn about this more in high school biology Mm -hmm. than you do anywhere else. Like Nobody Mm -hmm. talks about this in medical school and nobody talks about this in residency. It's only maybe the past five to 10 years again that, that mitochondria has become more of a topic. So she hands me this packet to go over. And the first literally five to 10 pages was about a leaf. So I was like, "Really?" I thought this was mitochondria. <laughs> and she looks at me with these big eyes, and she goes, "Mom, what is the big deal? The chloroplast, which is what's in the plant that allows it to take light and turn it into energy, is exactly the same as the mitochondria." And I said, "Wait, wait, what?" You know, and, and she shows me the drawing, and I was like, "That is." Really interesting. I don't know what to make of it, but you're right; they look almost exactly the same. So I kind of filed it away because I knew it was going to come back. And about six months later, I was listening to this neurosurgeon who is kind of a wild man, um, Dr. Jack Cruz. He, he's brilliant, and he's talking about the mitochondria, and he starts screaming, "People, wake the up! Yeah, the mitochondria and the chloroplast look exactly the same." And I was like, I knew. I was like. answering him in my car like I saw that. So that brings in the concept of maybe we are more light beings than we've ever realized. If we have this capacity, just like the plant, to utilize light as energy, my personal opinion is someday, we may not need food at all.
1: Wow. Wow. I noticed that when I do uh, juicing, which is going to give me a lot of those chloroplasts that I feel like my vibration goes really high. So I think that it's probably handing me over some of that energy and information. Yeah, you're
0: absolutely right. The chlorophyll in those greens, like spirulina and chlorella and seaweed, and they hold the light. So understanding how to get more of that in and how that feeds into the ketogenic lifestyle, which... Again, getting all of the inflammatory stuff that will cloud the mitochondrial function out of the way and intermittent fasting as well, which is a spiritual thing in and of itself, like bringing all of that in, what could it be activating at a mitochondrial level that we have yet to discover?
1: Thank you for sharing all that because I don't think that it's very well known. You know, people look at me like I'm crazy when I say... (laughs) I I feel like I could exist off of juice, you know, green juice, really. Uh, So I have a question for you. I've noticed that there is a spiritual component to diseases. Like I have noticed that, you know, there's like a mindset and energy that's stuck and there's a pattern there. I've noticed that when people have a lot of trauma or those patterns that are stuck, the mitochondria, especially if it's I should say the diseases that have mitochondrial dysfunction have people who have energy that's scattered. Like it literally is hard to find a boundary on them, energetically speaking. After doing several sessions of energy work, let's say we do it once a week for a couple of weeks, their energy field actually gets stronger. And then all of a sudden they start to gain energy and it's not actually going backwards. So that's another thing I wanted to ask you about, but I'll talk about later. Do mitochondria spin in a particular
0: way? Um, so it's a great question. There are so many different levels to communication down at that cellular level. So there's something called telomeres that are spinning, right? The way the electrons are flowing through the electron transport chain, I believe, is, is more of a one-way thing. But then as, as the ATP comes out and communicates, it's going through these telomeres that are spinning in a specific way that can be thrown off. So I do think this is some of the stuff that we are just starting to really understand.
1: Yeah. So I noticed that the energy fields started spinning properly. They started gaining energy and clarity and movement got easier and things like that. So I really believe that energy work does enhance the mitochondria. So I wanted to know, like,
0: what have you noticed in
1: terms of the spiritual component with mitochondria?
0: Right. I would say whenever I'm working with someone, I'm always tapping into the spiritual side of their disease along with the physical. And like you said, sometimes it's the chicken or the egg. Like some people, we can't move them forward unless we go energetically first. And this is true, not just at a mitochondrial level. I'd say with everything I do, a lot of the initial visits with me, I'm intuiting but also just like going through their history if they tend to be more of an empath that they're if they're sensitive around electronics if they know they're more of an energetic type of a person a lot of times we start with getting them lined back up and clearing their energy field and then they're going to have a better result with let's say my mitochondrial support and adrenal support and working on their hormones and their thyroid Many people come in and they're so, so toxic, whether it's from leaky gut or the poor diet or generalized inflammation, environmental toxins that I've got to go with, let's say my naturopath to heal their gut first before they can even begin to work on anything spiritually. So your question is somewhat individual, like in terms of where people are on their journey, but I can tell you, for example, with me, which I'm always my greatest teacher. The spiritual side of the healing kind of came has come more recently because I was so messed up, for lack of a better word, from all the chemo and all the physical different things that I had been through that I think my spiritual journey was blocked a bit. And then as I got my body cleaner and cleaner and started working with my mitochondria from a supplement, specific supplements we could talk about, from a nutritional with intermittent fasting and keto, from a light therapy from IV therapies, all of these different approaches, then the spiritual journey that was always there for me became the most loudly screaming (laughs) next step, I guess, for lack of a better explanation. And I knew even though I was dabbling in it, that it was time to take it to the next level. And then I could really step into more of my power and my authenticity at that stage, if that answered what you asked.
1: Yeah. So as a medical doctor, what are you allowed to do in, in terms of a spiritual sense?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> allowed is a big word. I would say most of my patients, they're seeking me out somewhat for uh, the spiritual causes of disease. I will do very basic suggestions to start out. So getting connected and grounded, we know that the mitochondria respond to electrons from the earth. So if I can get people just to get grounded, and then if I tell them to turn on a guided meditation off of YouTube, and it's free, and take off their sunglasses, don't put their contacts in so that some sun can enter their eyes. Those are some of my easiest first hacks that literally even somebody who's not really awake spiritually yet, um, they will benefit significantly from Mm where their bodies will feel better and then they'll want they want more. My people that are seeking uh, the spiritual work, I'll refer them to my energy healer. And we have a whole team of people um, so that once they're through one, if if we're feeling they need more assistance in different ways, whether it's with a shaman, whether it's with more hands-on energy healing with a blind healer that we work with all the time, whether it's more self-work this guided journaling we were sort of talking about earlier. So I go out to my resources uh, and we'll just refer at that point. Hmm. But I think in the safety of a medical doctor's office, which is there's some sanctity there. Mm -hmm. um, I can tap into the vulnerability a little bit more. And I see this as a huge need, especially for men Men are really struggling right now because they don't have a safe place to explore a lot of the spirituality, at least not. We're very lucky that we have, we can cry and we can go to the spa and we can go, you know, it's more accepted to go touch on our feelings and walk on the beach and all of that. So I try to hold the space for everyone and then whatever they're ready for, have tools lined up for those different levels of awakening and be able to guide them.
1: That's wonderful. Your clinic is like the wave of the future, I swear. I mean, this is what we need to be doing and treating people, no matter what they have. I mean, I think all of the different modalities that you're accessing and using to help people up level is amazing. So you had mentioned um, the grounding and then you had earlier mentioned uh, fascia. So are you talking about because the electrons need to travel up the fascia and if the fascia is all bound up, it's not going to travel through the Um, body? So
0: the fascia is something on the newer side for me to have learned. And this was a more recent, like this very recent, I had seen a video. There's a video, if your viewers haven't watched, it's called The Living Fascia. It's like a five-minute video, and it's a surgeon. He videotaped the forearm while he was in there operating, and he videotaped the fascia and blew it up. So what the fascia is, it's the casing that almost looks like saran wrap that it runs through all of our body, and it's around our organs, and most people have only heard of like plantar fasciitis. Nobody really knows what fascia is. And I can tell you in medical school, when you're learning and you're on learning on a cadaver, it's literally the stuff you cut through so you can get to the juicy stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's just there. We don't, we didn't move it out of the way. So what this surgeon did was he showed that it actually has a purpose. Well, maybe it's not just him, but this video shows it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, people have been talking about it and I've, I've heard about how fascia is more living and how it could be the seat of consciousness and things like that. So in this video, you actually see the fascia pumping. So it's like almost like a hydraulic pump and Hmm. it is hydrating all of the tissues. So it is moving water, which again, includes electrons and all kinds of messages to all of our organs. Plus the thought is, and again, as I continue to research the scientific side of spirituality, we'll hopefully learn more and more about this, that the fascia carries light and electrons and messages. So it's one so of the places cool. It's so cool. It is one of the places where you really can get stuck on your spiritual but also your physical journey. And my body, because in its lovely way this vessel again continues to teach me. I was supposed to be in Machu Picchu for my 50th with some sh- with Shannon's in this incredible trip. And around the same time that I was supposed to be there, and it did get scheduled for March of 2021. So we crossing our fingers.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. That's when thing.
0: I'll be coming to Florida.
1: <laughs> Wait, is it the end of the month you're coming? Well, we'll have to figure it out. But uh, yeah, it's somewhere around the mid-month. We're good. Okay. I'm, not, I'm
0: back by the 4th or the 5th.
1: Okay. Um, I'm not
0: missing you. Okay. So- <laughs> So at that particular trip was going to wake up a lot of my lower chakras. Like I knew between my root and my sacral that there were things that were just stuck preventing me from getting to the next level of sharing my gifts with the world and my creativity and other issues that I was dealing with at home. What ended up happening was during that exact time, I had a couple of things occur. And then all of a sudden started getting some spiritual awakening of feminine servitude and my ancestral lineage of how that's just what they had done was people pleasing servitude Hmm. and that it was time to release that. So I was working with a shaman trying to release it and I got very severe lower back pain and I've never had back pain before. Hmm. A patient of mine had mentioned that she found a myofascial healer who was incredible and I had reached out to her before COVID, then things were crazy. So I said, interesting. (laughs) I can't move. I guess I'm supposed to explore fascia now. So I text her and she uh, works on me. Have you ever had myofascial release? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So I never had either. I kind of thought it was sort of like a massage. So I will preface your listeners I and mean, make sure there's there's very different types of healers with this. Um, some are very much more like sports massage people. And so you don't get as much of the spiritual release and light movement and all of that. This was more of a spiritual healer, the kind of technique that she knows and uses. So she was able to touch on the outside of my sacral chakra. And and the first thing she said to me was, my God, how are you working? How are you being creative? You're like concrete in there. Like it feels like concrete. Nothing's moving. Wow. So yeah. I had had multiple surgeries down a front scar that goes just from my belly button down because that's when they took my ovary out at 20 and then they went ahead for my C sections through the same scar. Plus, I had had all these procedures in my back and spine. And to make a long story short, I started working with her. She saw me daily for about four days. And the first day, she was working on my tailbone on the outside. And that's when I, that afternoon, was when I downloaded the fact. I saw these ducks and there was a mama duck and three babies and it was a very interesting interaction because they came very close to me and they were in the bay where they usually you don't see ducks and I watched the mom fly away and the babies freak out and start trying to climb this wall and then she came back eventually and then the second time she flew away the babies were calm. And I sat there and I was like, oh, that must be telling me I'm a good mom. Maybe that I knew it was a message, but I was trying to figure out what it was. Mm. And then I was like, wait a minute. I only have two kids. <laughs> There's three babies there. <laughs> and then I was like, that's my mom. And that's when I downloaded that she wasn't in the room with me during these procedures.
1: So oh, right. when,
0: when this healer had gotten in my space and was working on my tailbone, she said, you just, it feels like your body is, un, you're not safe in your root shot. Like you're just not safe. Mm. So I picked up the phone and I called my mom because I, I remember her always being there like for the chemo and the lab draws and all this other stuff. And she said, no, they wouldn't let me in. It was a sterile environment and I wasn't in the room. Mm. So I was able to sit with that, kind of accept it. No, she didn't abandon fly away like the duck, like she was there and release it. So that was wild. That was my first day of experience with myofascial. Then the next couple of days, there are therapists who will go in vaginally. So this is a totally different, like it's a pelvic, you'll hear people talk about pelvic PT. I had referred people for that for things like bladder issues, or very painful vaginal issues from past history of rape and things that this type of release can be helpful. Mm -hmm. So she said to me, if we have enough trust here, I would like to go inside because I feel like there's a bunch of I can get to the scar. And so she started treating me internally and it was incredibly uncomfortable, but not terrible. Like it was doable. You sit with it, you breathe through it. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten to the point where she's completely released the block from that scar and my intuition and my own spiritual work and authenticity and stepping up has gone wild, like really has improved. That's awesome it's a totally different modality, a different system that I know is a huge piece of what we're all doing that I just got exposed to.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talk about how the issues are in the tissues. I mean, yeah. uh, we got yeah. to get the, to the root cause of where these things are hanging out.
0: And if you don't feel safe, I, I talk about this
1: all the time on the podcast, like how are you going to heal?
0: Right, and here's me who I've done all this spiritual work and I've done all this physical work, but if if this was the, this was something stuck deep in my scar tissue and who knows what else, um, mm. until we figure out how to get to it energetically, and even if we do, if if your listeners have a lot of scar tissue or trauma down there, finding a pelvic myofascial healer that they can be comfortable with may really make a difference.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I don't think a lot of people know about this yet. I guess it's coming out and it'll be more popular soon.
0: You would think all of this stuff is yeah. all connected. And I think that if we discover that like this fascial system, not just carries water, but it carries light. And it also is carrying the downloads of the ascension messages to activate our DNA and everything else that's going on right now. Hmm. If it's hitting a block, we're going to get more inflamed. Or we're going to be more stuck if it can really get to where it needs to go and is it directly communicating with our mitochondria? That's the stuff that I feel intuitively, but I have to chase down the science or find it myself.
1: (laughs) I feel the same way. I'm always chasing down the science. I think, you know, when it comes down to it though, like we just sink in and we're just like, okay, I know there's a reason for this. I'll figure it out. There's definitely light and information there and it's communicating and where's the breakdown, you know, or where is it going to, where can we enhance that communication? So when you, when you work with people with the ketogenic diet and you um, are doing all these different modalities, I'm sure you're seeing people heal so quickly, a lot faster
0: than probably you have were told yeah. people could heal. Well, and also faster than even when I started practicing, right? Because I mean, my toolbox has just continued to grow and I'd say what I've seen is they're healing faster also because intuitively I can tap in faster to what they need, but it's not just that, it's the pain. I think as a society, and I'm sure your listeners, are, because they're incredibly awake, when you're already awake and you're ready, you can heal. It's like hopping timelines into that healed version of yourself. And we can we can do this faster. We just, when we hit on a stumbling block, it's some type of lesson we haven't figured out yet. And we have to kind of hang there till we do.
1: Right. It can be so frustrating, but there is a lesson in there. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. You are such a wealth of information, such a beautiful light in this
0: world. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Like where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me at my website, spectrawellness.com. You can find me on social media, Dr. Lisa Coach on Instagram and on Facebook. And I am about to launch my first course. So I'm very excited. I've I've known that I needed to be able to serve people on a bigger scale than just uh, one-to-one. And this is my very first time of, of providing an eight-week keto-ish program that I just finished the last recording of this morning. So that's going to come out in the next few weeks. All right. So people can get lit. Yes, they're ready to <laughs> um, get lit. And also, I noticed that you have uh, a guide for biohacking on your website. Yeah. We have a free biohacking guide. So how to get your mitochondria functioning at a higher level. So if you just go to specter you'll see it. Just enter your email. It's free. It's full of information. So I'd love to have your listeners get access to that as well. Yeah. I think that'd be amazing for them.
1: All right. Thank you, Lisa, for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All content provided by Amy Stark and her her guests on the Ophelia podcast website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats were created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.